welcome to Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined, as always, by Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. And a big shout out to all of our audience who listen every week. Thank you so much for your listenership, particularly our fans from Washington, Virginia in the USA. Hello to you. Uh, If you could uh, get in touch with us on our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, or on Twitter at Above the Horizontal, we'd love to hear from you. Who's your favorite player? Who's your favorite team? Who are you going for? How did you find out about our podcast? Uh, We'd we'd love to get in contact. So that's a big shout out to our fans in Washington, Virginia. Now, let's jump straight into the best bold predictions from last weekend, which was round 13. I had a bold prediction. I actually, guys, before I get into my bold prediction, I want to mention a near miss because I actually had a near miss on this. I I wrestled with this idea because I looked up Harry Grant averages 52 tackles a game and Moses Mbai was replacing him at hooker. And I thought to myself, oh, a good bold prediction would be that Mbai would make more than Harry Grant's average tackles. And then I thought, there's no way in the world that he'll do it. So I didn't go with it. He made 59. So <laughs> so oh. I would have been right. Oh. Uh, so I instead decided to go with David Fafita would miss more tackles than he breaks, which went tremendously, by the way, because he missed just one tackle, which kind of screwed me because he busted seven, uh, including a typically barnstorming try. So that's a big wop wop from Bo this week for bold predictions. Kieran, I'm going to go to you next. Your bold prediction was <laughs> that three teams would lead at halftime and then go on to lose. How did that work out for you? Uh, so yeah, after five games, I had to. I still had three. There was three games left, obviously, in the round, and I had to have all three go my way. Um, and unfortunately, none of them went my way. So I was zero from eight. Zero from eight. If only your tipping was that bad, then I would have a chance of beating you. Uh, <laughs> Miles Stedman, surely you had a, a, a better time of it. You tipped that Blake Green, a brand new Newcastle Knights recruit, would have two try assists and the Knights would beat the Tigers by 18+. plus. They surely did beat them by 18+. plus. Did Mr. Blake Green get two try assists, Miles? Well, uh, he, I certainly saw him, uh, witnessed with my own two eyes, get two try assists, so I'm taking it. And I had them down on the statistics sheet, but apparently Kieran tells me that uh, upon review, uh, as they do yeah. most games, the statisticians, they took a try assist off him. So in one of those passages of play, they must have thought that he didn't do just quite enough to get that try assist. So look, I'm I'm going to take this one as the win. Uh, I don't care what you guys say, but um, <laughs> officially, he didn't get two try assists. Well, I, you know... I- I think you're definitely the winner because <laughs> because Kieran and I completely struck out. So congratulations to you, Miles. You had the best bold prediction. Gentlemen, let's get straight into the big question uh, today. Uh, there's some breaking news coming out of Brisbane at the moment. Korea Mail's Pete Bedell has reported that Tavita Pangai Jr. has been officially had his contract torn up by the Brisbane Broncos after recent events where he broke the COVID bubble at a barbershop in Windaroo, which is uh, in the South, is it kind of in Logan, really. Um, <laughs> and that, that barbershop was associated with a bikey gang and was under investigation from police. So he got himself into a fair bit of trouble. Um, there is a lot of speculation surrounding this. The Broncos, uh, this, this is being recorded at 6.30 on Tuesday evening, um, a couple of hours after this breaking exclusive news from Pete Bedell. Um, the Broncos have, si- have since said that they have not 
confirmed Tavita's fate. He's currently under a, a COVID breach, 14-day um, isolation period away from the game. So there is not, it's not 100% confirmed at this stage. However, uh, there is a lot of speculation going around about the nature of this sacking. It, it does seem very, very severe for a COVID breach. So if it was to be true, and it was almost, and if it was because of other reasons, we aren't to say. There is a lot of speculation out there, and some of it is quite harmful to the parties involved, particularly if they are untrue. So we're not going to speculate here. But what we are going to speculate on is where would be the best place for Tavita Pangai Jr. to continue his career uh, after the Broncos. Uh, Kieran, you mentioned off-air that he's only 24 years old, so he's he's still quite young. He's, he still has quite a lot to offer a team if they can get his head screwed on straight. Has been on the New South Wales Origin radar at different times, as well as representing Tonga, a very strong Tongan side. So, if the Broncos do indeed sack him, and the NRL don't deregister him for whatever reason, which team would pick him up? I'll start us off. I think he will go to the Rabbitohs. If they can get him for the right price, he would strengthen a Rabbitohs pack which has looked a shadow of itself since the departure of Sam Burgess. So can Wayne Bennett work his magic and get into South after getting him to Brisbane from the Raiders in the first place? The Raiders didn't want him to leave uh, to go to Brisbane, but Wayne Bennett managed to get him there. And at just 24 years of age, you could say that Tavita Pangai Jr.'s best football is ahead of him, potentially, under the right stewardship. And Wayne Bennett, I think, represents that. So the Rabbitohs is my hot tip, and I think he would really strengthen their edge forwards. Miles, who do you think would be the best fit for Tavita Pangai Jr. moving forward? Well, I like your fit, Bo. Uh, what, what you... Uh... You didn't fail to add, but um, obviously the Wayne Bennett connection is strong. But also, I believe uh, the reported uh, person to take over Bennett's job once he leaves is Jason Demetrio, who I also think has worked with Pangai at the Broncos. So he's got that longer-term connection as well once Bennett leaves. But uh, alas, um, my team that I've chosen here is the Canberra Raiders. And as you said, he, he left them when he was younger. I actually don't think he ended up playing a game for them in the NRL. It might have just been all under-20s, but... Uh, nevertheless, the, the Green Machines pack has also looked uh, quite tired this year, as as has the Rabbitohs. And I, I think arguably with their, their best forward going back home to the United Kingdom next year, they could really do with Pangai in, in 2021. Uh, hopefully moving away from a situation which he reportedly hates in Brisbane, and I say reportedly because we don't know that for sure, but hopefully that will help him rediscover some of the, the mojo which had him so highly rated a few years ago, as you, you mentioned, Bo. And I think, again, with questions over who he runs with and, and maybe getting out of a big city to, to move to a town, which is probably about as, as far away where uh, from any undesirables would, would want to be, would, would do a world of good for him. And I, I think it could help him uh, recapture his best form. I will, I will say that you're quite right. It, it would be a, a welcome release from those distractions of the big city and, and Canberra I think is an underrated place I really like Canberra and the football team could definitely use him with John Bateman going that's a really good call Kieran do you think the Rabbitohs the Raiders or perhaps somebody else would be a really good fit for Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, look I, I really like both the Rabbitohs and the Raiders um, I think both would be excellent fits for him I have however picked the Bulldogs 
Um, obviously, they've got an aging Aidan Tolman there at the club. Um, Dylan Napa, he's, he's been a lot better um, of late, but they've got uh, a few names in their roster that aren't really big or even possibly first graders with all due respect to their team. And I think Tavita is a, a bona fide first grader. Um, he just needs a, and this is probably a big sticking issue with going to the dogs, but he needs a, a good coach around him. I know most teams respond to a new coach pretty good um, after losing their their uh, coach before. Um, but I, I, I think Steve Georgialis is the real deal, and I think he could possibly get the best out of Tavita. And the, the dogs are at least back when I started uh, following rugby league, they, they were known for their big forward pack and uh, really having that aggressive style of play with Marco Mealy and Willie Mason. And yeah, if Tavita goes there and he, he really wants to bring that, if he's really motivated, he can sort of help bring that back to the Bulldogs. What I find interesting is that uh, when I was talking about him going to the Rabbitohs, I saw him being used as an edge forward. Uh, Miles, you mentioned going to the Raiders. He'd basically replace Bateman, which means that maybe you think he would be an edge forward as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think he, he is good out there. And uh, look, I think we've all come up with, with great solutions there. What I would add is uh, whether he's more interested in perhaps probably getting a little bit more that would, would be on offer at the Bulldogs or probably paying for a little bit slimmer of a price to, to and then sacrifice that to, to potentially side with the success in the Rabbitohs because uh, look even though the Rabbitohs have been a bit underwhelming this year that I think they're certainly on the the perhaps brighter path out of those two clubs and and Kieran uh you mentioned that Aiden Tolman and Dylan Napa uh Tavita Pangai Jr would really give them some punch do you see them use if he went to the Bulldogs do you see them using him as a middle forward uh, I, I did mention those names, um, and they do. They look. They've got Luke Thompson and Josh Jackson. Uh, so they only really like I, I have those two starting. So unless he's going to take the other um, second row option there with Adam Elliott moving on, which is very possibly an option, um, then uh, I do probably see him as a front row forward there. Yeah. And the, and the good thing about Tavita Pangai Jr. is that he can play both roles. Uh, he's it's kind of like Jason Taumalolo, just kind of like a Jason Taumalolo white, more more impact than actual longevity. But he can play the middle, but he's also very damaging on an edge, and he's quite skillful for a big man with a good offload. So uh, would be a good fit. It'd be a real shame for the Broncos who continue to spiral as it, as it seems. But maybe this is the thing that needs to happen. And and if it does indeed true, uh, prove to be a good story from Pete Bedell. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. would be a great fit at those three clubs particularly. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Let's move into the Above the Horizontal Awards for Round 13. And I'm going to start us off with what I think was the best match of the round. It might seem a little bit weird to say it, but I really, really enjoyed the Parramatta Eels versus the Cronulla Sharks on Sunday afternoon. It was a close match, 14-12, decided by a penalty kick in the end. And the team that lost actually scored more tries than the team that won. The Sharks scored three with no conversions, the Eels only the two. But I just, I love a slug, I love, I love a slug vest. It was, uh, it was just, the skill levels actually weren't that great. The ball was like a, like a slippery bar of soap. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, the back and forth of that game. And, and the Sharks really took it to the Eels, so respect to them. Miles, what was your best match of the round? Look, Bo, I think a part of all of us likes to see games played in, in such awful conditions, and that's why I, too, have the Sharks and Eels as my 
game of the round. And I think this one certainly lived up to its unpredictability, which uh, I think we probably all imagined it would when we saw the rain falling at uh, Shark Park. No, not at Shark Park, sorry, at, um, at Cogra Oval, their temporary home. Um, look, the, the Sharks were as good as they have been in the past few weeks, so that was good to see for them. And they really gave it to the Eels, who, who ground out yet another win. So, yeah, it was really entertaining for me. And I, I thought the skill level was actually, given the conditions, quite high. Well, that's true. I, I, I was looking at the completion rate when I said that because <laughs> some of those drops were comical. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. Uh, to, to play under those conditions, uh, there was particularly a catch from Will Kennedy. It was a spiraling bomb in those conditions. And he took it one, like yeah. inches off the ground. Fantastic skills. Uh Kieran, what was your best match of the round? Uh, I had I had the Eels and Sharks, and I, I don't really have much to add, but uh, you were just talking about Will Kennedy's impressive hands, and I thought Mulatalo for his try uh, in the second half, that was really impressive the way he reeled it in. I think he even juggled it a bit between his hands, and um, yeah, the whole spectacle, like as you said, uh, in those conditions, I thought they both played really, really impressively. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ronaldo Mulatalo because more on that later on. The Ooh. best moment of the round, the best moment award. For me, my nomination goes to the opening try for the Warriors with Patrick Herbert imitating Steve Smith from the cricket with a full-length diving effort on the run to score from a Cody Nicarima kick. Fantastic effort, which sort of typified the efforts of the Warriors in the last fortnight. I've, I've really enjoyed the way they've been playing and good on them. And suddenly the Warriors have come into semi-final contention, which maybe seems a bridge too far, but mathematically it's actually not that crazy. Um, Kieran, what was your best moment of the round? Uh, I actually had the, the Warriors win and uh, I honestly felt a bit buoyed by it. Um, in a season that has seemed mired in misfortune, um, seeing them fight back and give them, as you said, a, an unlikely outside shot at the finals, uh, it, it was awesome to watch, and uh, never mind this one being in the rain, the Warriors proved deserved winners, and their spirit has seemingly not waned at all, despite the further setback of losing Blake Green during the week. Yeah, that, that's, that was super impressive, actually, losing their, their main playmaker as well. And wasn't it good for any Channel 9 viewers to see Phil Gould have to eat absolute shit uh, for tipping that the Warriors would only <laughs> win four games this week uh, for, uh, for the season and they've gone on to win five so far so well done to them. Miles what was your best moment of the week? Well I had sort of a, an 80 minute moment and that was uh, AJ Brimson's two try effort against the Cowboys. Sorry guys but look <laughs> it is uh, it's no doubt good. I think you'll agree with me to see a player come back after what's been a fairly lengthy time on the sideline with injuries. And, and let's hope they're finally in the past because Brimson, he really looks like he's actually been the, the difference maker for the Titans the past two weeks. And not, obviously they've not won all those games, but they've been in them all and, and had a chance to win them because of Brimson. So look, I, I think we're starting to see why they rate him so highly and why despite the injuries, they, um, they really strongly awarded off interest from the Tigers in the off season, that is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it was really great to see uh, the shape of their plays start to really, really uh, come to life with him there. I mean, I've actually got quite a lot of respect for Corey Thompson as a first grader. I think he's a he's a good trier, right? He tries real hard, but he's not an NRL standard fullback. Uh, AJ Brimson is, and I think he would look really, really good in a Maroon number 14 jersey. Maybe not this season, but in seasons to come, I could I could definitely see him playing a utility role for the Maroons quite effectively. 
let's switch to the worst moment of the round. Uh, for me, it was after a, a Twitter post from, from an AFL player talking about how, uh, people are giving death threats to them for performances on the field. I thought that was the worst moment. Seeing the amount of players that were coming forward saying the same thing, that they are receiving death threats from fans, in inverted commas, over betting, over tipping, and over fantasy competitions. Good on the players for coming out and, and telling the truth about that. Ryan Pappenhausen amongst them, uh, Ronaldo Militalo as well. But shame on those so-called fans. I, I think it's disgusting to send anybody a death threat, uh, and you should receive... Um, some some attention from the police for for such actions but uh that, that was my low light having to hear about that sort of stuff just terrible uh miles what was your worst moment of the week well i considered that actually as well but i've actually teed that up for another award so uh, more on that later i guess but All right. my worst moment was the dragons confirming paul mcgregor's position is under review yet again and look, look, either they, they didn't do the review right the first time or they figured out they got their conclusions wrong in just a few months. It, it has to be one or the other year. But I think it goes without saying, you, you cannot continue to run a professional sports team by const, constantly reviewing the head coach's position every few months. The the board said it would review the situation if the, the team fell from finals contention. But that's not what we heard back then. And is that really as far ahead as they're planning, that's that's no way to run a football team. And so, uh, look, uh, easy to hang shit on the Dragons, but I'm absolutely going to. <laughs> do you think, just, just on that, do you think their review basically consists of waiting for the NRL to review Shane Flanagan's punishment? <laughs> well, quite possibly, but uh, that that is even a worse plan than reviewing the head coach's position every few months. <laughs> well said Kieran what was your worst moment of the round yeah I had I had that Twitter um, outburst from Mitch Robinson which was uh, completely within his right to, to give the fans a reality check about how they shouldn't be betting if they're, they're I mean he's he stated um, some of them are just losing $5 on a multi, and if it really means that much to them, I think they need to, to really have a good hard look at themselves. Um, yeah, just expressed how rampant threats of this nature are in sport, um, and it's not what players sign up for when they take up a, a pro- professional sport as their career. Um, I mean, eh, let's say a, uh, I don't mean to disgrace these fans too harshly, but it's a, a pretty de- despicable act. Um, if their team won in the grand final and they still... Um, complained about losing their multi, you really have to question uh, yeah, their, their thought process and how um, they just don't realize how it can affect players at all. Yeah, I, I totally understand the, uh, the, the added flavor that a fantasy tipping competition or, or something like that can add to the sport. Uh, even, even betting a, a small amount, I'm not a, a, a big better myself and I, of course, encourage people to gamble responsibly, but it sounds like those people... Gambling is a problem for them, and and uh, I would encourage them to to seek help uh, by calling all yeah. those lifeline numbers because that's that is not okay, and bringing it onto other people is is just simply deplorable. Um, let's move it on to something a bit more positive, gentlemen. The MVP of the round, and I'm, I'm very sorry in advance to Mr. Miles Stedman because my MVP is Kalen Ponga. Uh, he gets he gets <laughs> two tries, two try assists, a try save, six tackle breaks to go with his six goals. Hashtag chef's kiss. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, 
Kieran, who is your MVP for round 13? Um, I've got actually gone with a uh, Miles man, Sean Johnson, um, in, in the pouring rain. And even at one stage, you could see he afforded himself a cheeky smile and a wacker signal to a teammate after forcing a dropout. Um, whilst the Sharks didn't win, it, it continued Johnson's impressive run of, run of form. Um, and to be honest, for me, uh, I almost think he's kind of um, re revigorated his career. I, if he had a poor season this year, I know John Morris has come out and said he's got his full. Um, backing, um, but I don't know. I, I thought his career was at the crossroads a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, and it's such a shame for such a talented player. And and like you, I'm extremely happy to see him playing so well. He's one of my favorite players, Sean Johnson. Always loved him. Um, Miles, uh, <laughs> if you had to choose out of those two, surely it'd be Sean Johnson. But do you have uh, someone else in mind for MVP this week? Well, shocker, Bo, you've lined yourself up here to be completely knocked down because I have gone with Kalen Ponga. Yes! This week. <laughs> you've, uh, you've, you've lined up all the stats there, obviously. He was absolutely incredible. Um, if I'm to detract from him, it was the Tigers, but still, look, there's, <laughs> there's no doubt that if, if Ponga played like that every week, there'd be no question about, well, to be honest, probably about who the best player in the league is, but certainly about who the best fullback in the NRL is. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, coming up very shortly, we'll be discussing the top five fullbacks in the competition, so stick around for that. Until then, let's talk about some unsung heroes. My unsung hero, we talked about AJ Brimson, actually, uh, earlier. My unsung hero is Jamal Fogarty, uh, who has eased the playmaking duties on Ash Taylor. I'm sure, actually, in the past, maybe, Kieran, you've mentioned Jamal Fogarty's impact on the mm. Titans as well. I think it's even more pronounced now that AJ Brimson is back in this club because not only is he helping Ash Taylor and, and freeing Ash Taylor to play a bit more off the cuff, a bit more creatively on the edge uh, and just sort of running that football team, kicking for 300 meters a game and all that sort of stuff, uh, guiding those forwards around. It also allows AJ Brimson, instead of him being lumped with that playmaking responsibility like he has been in the past, to just slot in at fullback and just run around. It's his most effective position. So Jamal Fogarty for being the missing link in that Titans team and has them playing their best footy for a number of years. He's not setting the world on fire, but he's much like an Adam Clune, uh, who I think, Miles, you paid respect to in the past. Uh, Jamal Fogarty is my unsung hero for round 13 and was very impressive against the Cowboys on Sunday. Miles, who is your unsung hero? I might just trail on to you for a minute there for a sec, Bo, and, and add that uh, I think a lot of people don't realise that as a halfback, it's very hard to work with um, with very little outside of you, like the the Titans sort of have had uh, until Brimson came back. They're kind of like, in a way, they're kind of like strikers in football. They're only as basically only as good as the the players behind them. But uh, alas, I've I've gone for Josh Adokar as as my unsung hero. His um his brilliance has become I, I think so week to week that he he rarely receives the plaudits anymore as as one of the Storm's best players. But I think having a player like that in your back line, even though he is a wing and I've previously expressed my disdain for that position, <laughs> I, uh, I think that just having Josh Adokar, whether it's centre, fullback, wing, wherever, having a guy with that sort of talent in your back line is usually the difference between uh, winning and, and not winning the premiership. Yeah, well said. And that's actually twice in two awards I've seen you sort of... Uh, Sort yes, of eat yes. some humble pie. So uh, <laughs> respect to you for being able to eat the humble pie. You're a bigger man than me. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, <laughs> Kieran uh, much like Miles, who is an unsung hero? 
Uh, I've got uh, maybe a, a bit of a bigger name than those two, uh, although Adokar is a pretty pretty big name, um, although flying under the radar. But I've gone with Tohu Harris, who, when he moved to the Warriors, um, he had really big reps on him. Um, and since then, I, I don't really think he's uh, quite lived up to the expectation. But the last couple of weeks, he's looked really reformed. He ran for 214 meters, uh, doing double the work, knowing Blair would likely punch out 50 meters max. <laughs> um, Harris also made 38 tackles and in, in 75 minutes missed one tackle. Um, uh, yeah, as I said, when he moved to the Warriors, um, I really thought he could spark more big signings with an already impressive roster being assembled with Fusatua and RTS. And uh, I do think he's getting back to that storm form, and it's great to see. Yeah, it's and it's it's the stuff off the ball that I've, or maybe not even off the ball, but. Uh, the stuff that happens around him, uh, you listen to people talk about Gene Miles back in the day and you sit there and say, you don't understand the impact of Gene Miles until you see the amount of tries that are being scored by the wingers outside him. And Torhu Harris is a little bit like that. Uh, he's He has ignited the form of Petahiku at center. And then you have guys like Patrick Herbert, who were, you know, fringe first graders scoring a bunch of tries suddenly. And you realize the impact of someone like Tohu Harris can bring so uh, 100% agree with you I actually almost had him for my unsung hero last week so uh, I totally agree let's go to our wild card awards this round gentlemen this is where we get to choose any award that we can possibly think of mine is the Jason Marmoa award for best impersonation of Aquaman which goes to Ronaldo Mulatalo for his <laughs> wonderful hands in scoring two tries in monsoonal conditions. It was basically underwater. It may as well have been water polo when no one else could catch the ball as it was heading to their chest. So well done to the young Queenslander, Ronaldo Mulatalo. <laughs> Kieran, who, what is your wildcard award this round? I've got the cradle to the uh, bit of a throwback to this uh, award. I don't think it's been used for a little while, but I've got the the cradle to the grave award for commitment to the thug life, which goes to Blake Green for playing a leading role in beating the Tigers two weeks in a row and seriously <laughs> denting <laughs> seriously denting any chance the Tigers have of making the finals, showing the Tigers that if they came anywhere near him, he'll blow them off the park and leave them reeling in ninth <laughs> spot once more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a real shame that uh, that you can't really make adjustments to team lists after they've been named on the Tuesday afternoon because surely the Bulldogs uh, who are playing against the Tigers this round could have really gone for Blake Green's signature <laughs> and thrown him into the halves next to Kieran Foran just to make it a three-peat. <laughs> Miles, what is uh, you bragged about your uh, your wildcard award being a doozy this round? Let's let's hear it. Well, yeah, as you guys know, I, I really do enjoy the soapbox that this wildcard award gives me. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've got an, uh, someone else to tee off, or a group of people to tee off on here. And I've gone with the Alanis Morissette Award for Hilarious Irony. And the winner of that award is the NRL slash NRL.com. Um, I did notice that uh, a number of their, um, their well, I was about to say journalists, but let's call them press <laughs> release rewriters, um, <laughs> Uh, sat down earlier in the week um, to discuss whether the online abuse that players received had gone too far. And look, of course it has, but what prompted that, as we mentioned, was Ryan Pappenhausen's revelations of such, as well as um, Mitch Robinson's in the AFL. Um, And look, of course, the irony behind this being that the NRL is in a way directly responsible, indirectly responsible, I should say, um, for for this, given that the money that they make uh, hand over fist from the, the big sports books who have these sad cases beaten before they even place their bets. So 
Perhaps if the NRL was a little tougher on which corporates it partnered with, its players wouldn't be so roundly abused on social media. Oh, Miles, it's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. That is, that is, <laughs> that is Alanis Morissette to a T. Thank you so much for that wildcard award. You're correct, it was a doozy. Let's, uh, let's move on, uh, if you guys are still able to, to the next part, which is the above the horizontal thinking for this round, which is talking about our version of the top five fullbacks. I would like over the coming weeks to discuss some other positions as well, because I think this could be very interesting. But fullback is an interesting one because I think it's well known that halfbacks are probably the most influential players on the field. But I think fullbacks are probably second. Uh, in in my opinion, anyway. And I assume that most of us would have James Tedesco at number one. But rounding out that top five and the exact order of it is, is quite interesting to me. Uh, so what I'm thinking we might do, guys, is we'll start with our number fives. We'll go five, five, five. And then we'll go four, four, four. And this can be according to whatever criteria you desire. This can be your top five favorite, five most valuable, um, according to, you know, contract versus output. Uh, this could be the players that are most influential to team success on the field, or just, you know, the most skillful fullbacks. However, whatever criteria you come across, I'd love to hear it. So let's start at number five. My number five fullback is... The one that's currently leading the Dally M uh, rankings for fullbacks, at least, is Clint Gutherson is at number five. The reason that I probably don't have him higher is, A, just the absolute absurd talent of the four guys above him, where Clint Gutherson, while obviously being a very talented rugby league player, is a bit more workmanlike than the guys that I've got above him. Uh... So I don't like watching Gutherson play as much as some of the other guys in, in his position in the NRL, but he is super effective, has been very, very pivotal to the Eel success this year, and for the price, uh, is, is really good value as a club captain as well, inspirational player, and I think being the fifth best fullback in the competition is pretty high praise. So I've gone with Clint Gutherson at number five. Kieran, who is your number five? Uh, maybe this is a little controversial. I know some people will agree, some people won't. But I've gone for Caelan Ponga at, at, in the number five spot. Um, exploded onto the rugby league scene in 2016. However, since then, for mine, has been slightly underwhelming. Uh, I have to have him in my top five regardless. And at the age of just 20, 22, he can still be whatever he wants in this game. His, his potential is unlimited. But he, he seemingly um, lacks that mentality, I feel, sometimes. Um, you see him sort of enter a game and... Uh, He'll, he'll try put on a few, few plays, but he'll look a bit casual and then he'll kind of wake up and realize he really has to be on his uh, his best um, on the day to, to really uh, pull off uh, and utilize his attacking skills. Yeah, 100%. And, and Miles, who is your number five? Well, I suppose I should add, um, before I, I reveal... Um, I too have I've gone for more of a you know what have you proven to us thus far in your career take on this. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, I too have Clinton Gutherson at number five. Uh, obviously, maybe having the best year of any fullback this year. Who knows? Depending how you look at it, uh, he obviously does everything from a fullback, and he's a fantastic leader, as you said, Bo. All that good stuff. Um, but uh, this is his first real, I would say, great year at fullback. He, he's previously played well at fullback and. And good, and and of course good at other positions too. But in terms of 
being a fullback and, and being a, uh, maybe a team leading fullback. This is his first great year. So that's probably what's got him a, a little bit lower than perhaps I, perhaps even I would like to have him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard not to get around King Gutho. I'm going to go with my number four, who is Kalen Ponga, for very similar reasons to you, Kieran. Um, I actually think Kalen Ponga should be number one. He straight up absolutely should be the best fullback in the game for skill level. But as it stands... I think he is not, and and the problem for me is that he, uh, the value to actual output ratio is not quite there for me at this stage, uh, particularly having signed a very wealthy contract, one of the most lucrative in the game's history starting from next year, but he, uh, he, he t- in terms of effort areas, I, I feel like he wavers at times, so that's not what I want to see from... Uh, who should be the best fullback in the game. And from the three guys that are above him, that's where they beat him. So Kalen Ponga is my number four. I've gone Clint Gutherson at five, Ponga at four. Miles, you also had Clint Gutherson at number five. Who is your number four? Well, look, I think maybe he gets this spot as a bit of a technicality, but it has to be mentioned nonetheless. I've gone with Tom Trebojevic at number four. And this is a guy who's a little bit similar to Kalen Ponga for different reasons. Uh, he maybe, I think too, maybe should be the best in, uh, fullback in the NRL, but he's too often injured and out of service or, or not there to to be, for me, any higher than even four at this stage. Uh, obviously, he also doesn't play fullback at representative level as the three above him on my list do, so stay tuned for that. So, uh, look, at this stage... Uh, as great as talented as he is and as lovable a guy as he is and as great a fullback as he projects, he, he spends half the year sitting on the sidelines each year, basically, since he began his career. And for me, that doesn't make you a great fullback. Uh, a fair argument well made. Kieran, uh, you had Kalen Ponger at number five. Who is your number four? Um, so I've, I've gone with the reverse of what you had, Bo. I've got um, Gutherson at number four, possibly the, the hardest working fullback on my list. Um, and he's the epitome of leaving nothing to chance or leaving anything on the field. Uh, I believe he'd be a joy to play with for any halfback, such as his desire to compete. And he does whatever it takes to win um, for the team each and every week. Uh, I, I, I really have enjoyed his progression this year. And I, I didn't see him... Um, maybe even possibly being this good ever. Um, so big props to, to Gutherson. Indeed. Uh, he's having a, a bumper year. My number three is, and for very similar reasons to you, Miles, I've gone with Tommy Turbo at number three. Tom Trevojevic, uh probably should be number two on merit, but just the amount of injuries and that, that value to output ratio is just starting to tip a little bit against him. I think if he was fit, uh, he's tremendous value for the for the Sea Eagles and probably makes them a top six side consistently. Uh, but he's he's just not there a lot of the time. So I've gone with Gutherson five, Ponga four, Tommy Turbo at three. Kieran, you've got Ponga five, Gutherson four, and who is your number three? Uh, I have I have Tommy Turbo as well, and it's for those same reasons. Um, he's I honestly think he's the most complete fullback in my list. Uh, if he could just say stay, stay no, uh, injury free, he could very well be number one. Although that's a huge call with Tedesco there, but he definitely has the skill set to do it. On his day, he's unplayable, and he was really starting to be consistently great each and every week this season. Um, capable of single-handedly winning games, even in Origin, I believe. And 
Uh, coming third on this list is in no way a, a knock to his freakish footballing abilities, but uh, yeah, with those injuries, I, I think three is fair. Yes, I, I think you're right. Uh, Miles, you had Gutherson at five. You had Turbo at four. Don't tell me that Kalen Pong is your number three. <laughs> well, as as you may have been able to tell already, I've, I've done a fair bit of cell searching in this list because I don't want to misrepresent myself. Um, and look, I... <laughs> I am happy to now admit that Kalen Ponga, at least at this stage, probably pip, pips Tom Trevojevic. If for no other reason, then I know that Kalen's probably going to be on the field when I want him to be. Um, and his game last week probably bumps him up a little bit as well, knowing that he can pull that out. For, for the record, I don't think that Tom Trevojevic probably ever played a game that good as, as Kalen did last week. Um, obviously, outstanding amount of talent. Um, obviously, it would be number one if he had the week-to-week about him, but he'll have to settle for number three here. And, and for the record as well, he's played fullback at state of origin level, and he's while he hasn't blown us away, I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, 100%. I especially liked him, actually, when he came on as a utility and played lock uh, <laughs> at origin <laughs> level. I thought he was tremendous Smallest in that role. Ever. Smallest lock, potentially, but damn, he had some heart. Uh, I really respected him. Uh, my number two, I think might be the same as your number twos, unless you guys have a controversial opinion, uh, is Roger Tuovasa Shek, uh, the New Zealand international, the New Zealand Warriors captain, uh, Dally M winner, the first ever to come from New Zealand. Uh, just an absolute superstar of the game, super talented. The footwork is out of this world. And to boot, he's, he's a humble, uh, inspirational leader, and does the hard yards. He, he really extracts... He's not just one of those talented guys that, that doesn't do the work. He, he also does uh, all the one percenters as well. Uh, I, I truly believe if they had 17 RTSs out there, the Warriors would be a top four team. Uh, however, they don't. So, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but uh, RTS is my number two. So, I've gone with Gutherson, five, Ponga, four, Turbo, three, RTS, two, Miles... So far, you've gone with Gutherson 5, Turbo 4, Ponga 3, RTS 2? First, I'm going to fact-check you there, Bo. He is not the first New Zealand winner of the Dally M. Uh, that was oh. Gary Freeman back in the early 1990s. Oh, I do apologise to Gary Freeman. Uh, <laughs> no, my, it's, my bad. Look, the, the only uh, reason I bring this up is that it, it will be once a year that uh, I am right about uh, NRL history as opposed to you, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> let, let the court, let it be known to the court that Bo is always right about this stuff and I'm not. Um, yes, RTS number two, uh, to end this long winded discussion. Um, look, he shows up and plays out of his skin for the Warriors each week. Uh, I think if he were playing, uh, to be fair, if he were playing in Australia or if he were, wasn't playing for the Warriors or if they were any good, he would probably get the plaudits he deserves, but he is a, uh, Outstanding fullback, Dalian medal, medal winner, and I think he's a, uh, a reserved but good leader as well. 100%. And uh, I, I did, I, I just fact-checked, uh, yes, Gary Freeman, uh, 1992. Well done, Miles. Very good pickup. Kieran, your list so far has been Kalen Ponga 5, Gutherson 4, Turbo at 3. And by the way, guys, I'm doing this off memory. I'm not writing this down. <laughs> Kieran, do you, do you have Roger Tuivasa check at number 2 as well? Yes, I do. And uh, I said uh, that Gutherson was possibly the hardest working fullback on my list. I, I honestly, I, I 
I have to retract that and I'd give it to RTS. His effort on effort is uh, yeah, is incredible. And with every run full of purpose and intent until the 80th minute, I think uh, in in a, a big finals game or even the grand final, he's a player you would love to have hand um, the ball in his hands um, uh, and just has freakish footballing abilities. And his kick re- returns always set up an excellent platform for the Warriors to build their set off. Yeah, and that, that means, gentlemen, that our number ones are all going to be James Tedesco. Let's talk about why James Tedesco is the best fullback in the game. For, in my opinion, it's because he is the culmination of all of those things that we've talked about. He is Clint Gutherson and Roger Tulvasashek's effort. He is the silky tackle-evading ability of a guy like Tommy Turbo. He's got some pretty freaking decent footwork. Maybe not the same level as Pongo or RTS, but he has definitely got some footwork. And the way that he pinballs around is uh, it makes him just about one of the hardest guys to tackle in the game. One thing that Tedesco I really respect about him is that for a long time he was just seen as an athlete playing at fullback, and now he's he's a bona fide elite footballer for his ability to ball play as well. He he really adds a dimension to whatever team he's playing for. And you could honestly credit largely him for the fact that he's been able to turn the tide on Queensland in the recent State of Origin series. I think I think he's been head and shoulders New South Wales' best player the last couple of years. So uh, James Tedesco is comfortably the best fullback in the world for me. And to be honest, probably in the top five players in the NRL uh, on Maybe not current form exactly, but definitely uh, for influence on a football team. Kieran, what do you like so much about James Tedesco? Well, I, I have to add, just before we start, I, I wasn't sure if Darius Boyd still counted, so I, I did go with James Tedesco. <laughs> <laughs> if you can call that, I don't think you can call what he does playing anymore, so I don't think he counts. <laughs> He's still not there. To, in Darius Boy's defense, he still has that wonderful ability to capitalize on an overlap as a fullback around uh, the behind of a block play, but that's about it. Uh, Tedesco, Tedesco, Kieran, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, you've mentioned everything there is to mention. He, um, uh, if I can add anything to it, he's uh, he's got that ability to kind of uh, lull a defense into a, a false sense of security that I think we spoke about Munster doing that last week, and then he just explodes through a hole. I think the, the perfect example of that was against the Rabbitohs earlier this year, and uh, for me, he's been in the top three best and most impressive players over the last year and, and deserves his spot as number one on this list. Miles, he's obviously number one on your list as well. Um, what makes him so great? <laughs> well, I, he's the best player on the best team in the league. Fair enough. Would you would you say that he's <laughs> maybe the best player in the world? Yeah, I, th- I mean, a- apart from the, the only other person that you could challenge that on uh, in terms of best player on best team right now would be Nathan Cleary, but... Um, Cleary doesn't have the runs on the board in State of Origin. And as I said, we're talking about track record here, and, and Tedesco has, uh, has won it all in State of Origin. So why wouldn't it be him, in my opinion? Yeah, first picks for Australia these days. Uh, first pick for New South Wales. Uh, won two premierships in a row, uh, largely because of his efforts. Uh, there was never really any doubt James Tedesco was the best fullback. I look forward to further discussions about different positions, though. I feel like we'll get a lot more difference. Thank you both very much. Let's move forward into the round 14 tips. Now, uh, again, last week, I don't know why I keep having this stat put in here, Kieran. I really don't appreciate it. Uh, Kieran and Miles, (laughs) 
Six out of eight. Bo, five out of eight. Once again, a disclaimer to the audience. I like to take instinctive risks with my tipping sometimes. They won't always make sense. They don't always go well. Going for the Raiders last week was obviously a bad call. Um, so don't listen to me. Please listen to Miles and Kieran. They are far more reasoned and much better tippers than I. And Kieran, if you can prove that with a correct tip about the Roosters and the Storm on Thursday night. Josh Morris is back in a massive boost for the Roosters with his de- defensive starch and impressive attack this season. Uh, Roosters are still without uh, JWH, Cordner, Crichton, and Brett Morris, though. Uh, Fanukin and Pappenhausen return for the Storm. However, they're without my favorite player in the league, Cam Munster. Um, although, from memory, last time these teams last played, Munster played second fiddle to Jerome Hughes. I was going to go Storm for their stellar last six weeks. However, the Roosters have underperformed last week's last three weeks or so, and I think they will be raring to prove their three-peak credentials against one of the comp's best this week. Roosters to win. Yeah, they've, they've got a lot out. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think well, Rhea Hargraves being out is actually a bigger loss than people anticipate for the Roosters, but Cameron Munster being out, goodness me, no. Uh, Roosters for me. Uh, Miles, what do you reckon? Yeah, slightly too much to overcome here for the Storm, so I'm going for the Roosters as well. And if you can go with the Friday afternoon game between the inform New Zealand Warriors against the perhaps even more informed Penrith Panthers. <laughs> Certainly more informed Penrith Panthers, I'd say. Uh, look, the Warriors, as you say, they've been trending upwards of late, uh, having beaten the Tigers and the Eagles, but they, uh, they've beaten those two, but they still haven't beaten a good team, I'd say. So, obviously, it's going to firmly remain in the Panthers' corner here for me. Are you suggesting that their victory over the Broncos about a month ago does not count (laughs) as a good team? Look, uh, I'd have to say that's probably their easiest win of late, unfortunately. (laughs) I've I've really admired uh, the Warriors, the way they've... they've, uh, Effort upon effort, uh, you described... That was the way that RTS played Kieran, um, and mm. I think that's the way the Warriors have played in recent times, effort on effort, just to try and be there. They've got reserve graders from other clubs on loan because all their players are back home in New Zealand and can't play in the NRL at the moment, and it's just a shambles there at the moment. They lost their coach. Todd Payton stepped up. He's done a pretty good job, from what I can tell. Uh, really liking the Warriors. In saying that, the Panthers by 20. Kieran, <laughs> who do you reckon the Warriors or the Panthers? Uh, I remember the first time these two clubs played each other this season and, and my entire tipping comp went Warriors by one. So we'll probably all go Panthers by one and that one person will be right again. Um, I am tipping the Panthers though. So you are not that one person. Fair enough, I say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Eels and Dragons, which is later on that evening on Friday. The Eels welcome the return of Ryan Madison at the expense of the industrious Andrew Davey. He's been out with a, a serious concussion and we'll add a lot of punch to that eel side. A few changes at the Dragons with Ben Hunt reverting back to hooker, McInnes back to lock, and Corey Norman back at 5'8". I like it. I think this is the best Dragons spine they can provide, particularly with Tristan Saylor coming off the bench for impact. will be so important that the Dragons can hold the middle so Adam Kloon and Corey Norman can get early ball to their strike centers, Ewan Aitken and Zach Lomax but I just can't see them going with the Eels pack, even if the Eels have been down on form. So I'm going to go with the Eels by 1 to 12, I would say. Some, somewhere in that sort of range. 
Miles, who have you got? I would also say the Eels by 1 to 12. All right. And Kieran? Uh, I've got the Eels, but just to be a bit different, I'll say 13 plus. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and gamble responsibly, of course. And uh, Kieran, do you dare gamble on a Titans win away from home against the Sharks? Um, oh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, I might even change my mind midway through. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so for the Sharks, uh, you've got Jack Williams back, capable of scoring ghost tries, which is always a massive addition to any team who comes in for Jake Wilton. <laughs> Comes in for, for Take Wilton. I apologize if I've got that pronunciation wrong on the bench. With the Titans keeping a winning team the same after their big win over the Cowboys. Both sides have surprised me this season. and I, I didn't have the Sharks in the top eight at this point, And I thought the Titans would not compete the way they are. With Sunday's win, their most impressive this season. There's that added motivation of finals footy for the Sharks. And I, I've got them winning a, a much closer contest compared to the first time these teams played each other. In a classic piece of Bo just absolutely tipping out of his ass, I'm going to go for the Titans. Miles, who do you have? In a classic case of Miles tipping out of his head, I'm going to go the Sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In a classic plea for desperation, Miles, do you have some hope for the Cowboys against the Rabbitohs? I don't, guys, unfortunately. It's... um, uh, sorry to rub it in, but it's going to be damn near impossible to tip the Cowboys after that performance on the weekend. Um, meanwhile, the Rabbitohs have, I think, slowly been cl- clawing back some respect after it looked like they were in danger of losing touch with the finals. So for me, it's going to be the Rabbitohs here. Yeah, me too. I, I like the inclusion of Scott Drinkwater at fullback. I think that's a, a winner, but I just don't... I just don't see Ben Hampton as a 5'8", and I feel like it's a lot of pressure on Michael Morgan to be the sole playmaker. Uh, I noticed that he ran the ball a lot um, against the Titans, which I thought was a good sign, but that's why he needs someone like a Jake Clifford there to take the playmaking while he gets his feel for the game. So the, the Rabbitohs for me, until they get their selections right, the Cowboys. Kieran, uh, unless, of course, you think the Cowboys have got the selections right, are you going three from three here? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've, I've tipped the Cowboys for a few weeks, and uh, probably rightly so. I've got the Rabbitohs as well. <laughs> All right, I've got the uh, the Raiders and the Broncos. Uh, in in the biggest news from this game, to be sure, um, despite what looks like to be a serious injury, Saliva Havili has been named. So the Raiders are keeping the faith with the side who went down to the Panthers. Uh, and why not? They've been good except for that game. The Broncos... Yeah, that was a deliberate pause. Goodness. Uh, no Pangai <laughs> Jr. <laughs> no Pangai Jr. means Ben Teo starts. Um, interestingly, leaving Origin rep Joe Offerhand-Gawe on the bench. And young back rower Jordan Ricky will make his debut from the pine. Isaac Luke appears to be dropped with the Broncos opting for more pace on the bench and picking Corey Pakes. The Broncos are... Like the Cowboys, impossible to pick on current form, and I won't be about to pick them here. They are an absolute basket case side. The Raiders surely will get this job done, Miles. Yeah, it's Raiders easy for me here. And Kieran? Yeah, the Raiders, um, probably 13 plus as well. Yeah, has to be. 
Knights and Seagulls, please, Kieran. Uh, for, so for the Knights, you've got Daniel Saifiti returning from injury at prop with his brother Jacob reverting to the pine um, and Brody Jones dropping out. Brad Parker uh, is back from a head knock replacing Davida Funa at centre and Taniela Paseka starts for the injured prop and Fanua Blake. While Marty Tapao has been named despite failing in HAA last week, Edge forwards Curtis Sirinan and Joel Thompson both return after being late scratchings in round 13, which is a massive boost for the Sea Eagles. Um, this is a, a really uh, tough one for me to tip, despite the, the how the, the Knights played last week. I I just feel if the, the Sea Eagles really want to make something of their season, this is the it's now or never. Um, it is for the, the Knights as well. They, they both kind of need to start racking up a few wins if they want to... Um, be a bit secure uh, come come the end of the season. Um, without providing too much of an analysis, uh, I've got the Knights winning this one. Damn, I thought for a second there I wasn't crazy. I'm going for the Seagulls. Um, I can just I can just kind of feel it in my waters. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't think I have waters. I don't know, but anyway, uh, I can feel it uh, in there. So the Seagulls for me, Miles. Can you also feel it in your waters? <laughs> I cannot feel it in my waters, unfortunately. Um, I've, I'm going to go with the Knights here. Maybe if it was at uh, at Brookvale Oval, but even that has proven to be of little use to the Seagulls lately, so I'm, I'm going the Knights. Mighty Fortress Lotto Land, it is not to be. Uh, <laughs> Miles, Miles if, if you could please take the last game, which is the Tigers versus the Bulldogs. Uh, to my knowledge, no... Uh, announcement of Blake Green's signature for the Bulldogs. No, but I was still uh, I was still considering tipping the Bulldogs actually in this game, but for me, wrestling back the the game from the Bulldogs to the Tigers side will be the loss of the two of their better players, Jake Avarillo and and Lachlan Lewis, who I I think is unfairly hated on occasionally, and I, I think that will mean that they probably don't have quite the side to crack the Tigers here, who. In addition, I think we'll probably be wary of their head coach's wrath if they produce a, a hat-trick of insipid performances. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Tigers here. Yeah, that's actually an interesting... I just thought of an interesting battle in my head. Like, who would you rather piss off? Michael Maguire or Steve Georgialis? Like, whoa, I don't know. I reckon Steve Georgialis could could fairly feed a side uh, <laughs> if, they, if they disappointed him. So um, I, I don't know. I, I actually... I like the cut of their jib, the Bulldogs. Um, there's just something oh, right. about them. Um, I, to throw a Simpsons reference in there, cut of their jib, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Why not? I, like, you know, I'm just losing the tipping anyway, so I'm just going <laughs> to go with the Bulldogs. Thank goodness we're not counting this unless you are um, at home <laughs> uh, in Washington, Virginia. Um, <laughs> Kieran, if you could uh, please... Give me a tip for the Tigers or the Bulldogs. Yeah, I've got the Tigers. Uh, I I didn't realize. Um, I forget his name now. Lachlan Lewis wasn't playing, and uh, I have to repeat what uh, Miles said. I've been quietly impressed with him the last few weeks. Uh, I think he's a, a big out. So the Tigers. All right, uh, that's that's it for our tips. Now let's go to the bold predictions. Uh, much like my my waters have told me about the series beating of the Knights. <laughs> I think Jake Travojevic will not only make his standard 40-odd tackles, but he will also have a try assist 
and a try against the Knights. But he may not necessarily win the game, uh, but I think he will have a try assist and a try to go with his 40-odd tackles. So Jake Trevojevic is the man for me. He's going to be my MVP pick next week. That's my tip. Uh, <laughs> and like I can, I can technically prove myself right if I just tip him for MVP next week, no matter what. Yeah, he made 23 tackles and 101 <laughs> meters. Uh, absolutely unreal, Jake Trevojevic. Um, okay, Kieran, uh, what is your bold prediction for round 14? Um, so we, we know who I've picked for the night Seagulls game, and I, I nearly had the Seagulls to, to win as my bold prediction, but instead I've gone with the, the Seagulls to score at least 18 points, uh, 1-0 or 1-8, that is, sorry, in a, in a losing effort. So score 18 points, but lose. All right, yeah. cool. And and I'm hoping that Jake Trevojevic plays a part in those 18 points. Then we can both be right. That'd be lovely. <laughs> um, and Miles, what is your bold prediction? Well, I've noticed that Corey Norman, who I'm not normally a fan of uh, and will have had the, the fear of God scared into him, no doubt, with his time on the sidelines, I think he's going to... Uh, return to the Dragons' side and, and play a hand in each of their tries this weekend. So the Dragons score one try, he'll be involved with either a try or an assist. They score two, it'll either be one or the other or both, who knows. And if they score none, uh, I'm going to have to say that that's going to be an incorrect prediction. Okay, all right. Uh, and so in the extremely Just likely... Circumstances. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, in the extremely likely situation where the Dragons put like 50 points on the Eels. Um, <laughs> are you saying that Corey Norman will be involved in nine tries? Uh, either way, by five tries, four try assists, or, or the or other way around, or one try and eight try assists, I, I reckon that he'll uh, he'll come back firing this week. All right, cool. I, I, I'd love to hear it as a, as a Queenslander with Cameron Munster being somewhat injured. I would like to see a backup 5'8 playing decently. Uh, thank you very much for this week's episode, guys. Uh, it was a really robust conversation. As always, uh, oh, actually, I have to say this kind of through gritted teeth. Go the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Go the Cowboys. <laughs> Go the Northern Virginia Eagles. Yes, go the Northern Virginia Eagles. <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.